Coming soon to a theater near you. In 1986. A Lucasfilm production that actually has George Lucas behind it. A Marvel Comics property. Yes, that's right. A Marvel property. Lucasfilm and Marvel together for one film. What in the hell could even go wrong? You want an Avenger? Nope. An X-Man? No way. Maybe one of the Fantastic Four? Nuh-uh. Coming in the summer of 1986, Howard the Duck. This week on This Was a Thing. Hi, I'm Rob. And I'm Ray. And you're listening to This Was a Thing, the podcast that dives deep into the cultural happenings of yesteryear. On today's episode, we're looking at Howard the Duck. This was a thing because Universal Pictures wanted to get on board the George Lucas cash train. Choo choo! By 1986, Lucas had finished the original Star Wars trilogy and had a couple more successes with the first two Indiana Jones films. He was Hollywood's golden boy. His company, Lucasfilm, was huge. He had total control. But was that a good thing? No, I'm guessing no. Now, now, this film has gotten a bad rap since it was released. Besides it having some very innovative special effects, I kept finding myself asking the question, what's the tone? Is it film noir? Is it raunchy sex comedy? Is it a sci-fi action comedy? Is Leah Thompson gonna bang that duck? It was quite the experience. I'm sorry, did you ask me if Leah Thompson was going to bang a duck? Well, I was a, it was a question I had while watching this film. This is going to be hot. Oh, I'll get to that. <laughs> now, the movie had issues from the beginning of production until the time it was released in theaters, and then came the public's opinion. And the public's opinions were not... Good. You see, the thing is, Howard the Duck actually started as a Marvel Comics property. Now, today you see Marvel and Lucasfilm and you think that those projects can't fail because on fan base of those two studios alone, they're always bound to make a profit. Now, how did a film produced by Lucasfilm with Marvel characters flop so badly? I chose this one because I'm a huge Lucasfilm fan, and Howard the Duck has always been a movie that made me curious. I was <laughs> duck curious, if you will. Now, I have a book from the 90s about the making of Lucasfilm films, and the only mention of Howard the Duck is in the very back with the single photo of the puppet costume. There's not anything about the behind the scenes, mostly Star Wars and Indiana Jones, yes, but still, it is funny that it was just like, here's one photo. I do remember seeing the film one time before this. It was about halfway through when I found it on a TV room hotel in Vegas, and I was like nine, and at that age, I don't really remember things being bad, but I remember thinking as a kid, what the fuck is this? It, yeah, I had a very bad mouth as a child. Now, I'm just going to give you a quick breakdown of the film. 
just so I can get that out of the way. The plot isn't as important as the stuff surrounding the film, so I won't go into that much detail, but uh, the movie opens on Howard's planet of Duck World. It's similar to Earth, except the inhabitants are walking, talking ducks. You see Howard at home opening up his play duck instead of a playboy, and all of a sudden he's zapped from home down to Earth, to Cleveland, in fact. Now, in the montage of him exiting Duck World, he's in his chair and he's just going through all these walls, but we're lucky enough to see a female duck in the bath with human breasts and human nipples, but it's like white feathered duck puppet in with boobs and nipple it was it's and so this is in the first two minutes i think i'm gonna be sick anyway howard meets beverly played by leah thompson who's the singer of a rock band called cherry bomb an all-female rock band at that the whole band must spend hours teasing their hair before the shows it is insane here's a clip of when beverly meets howard he helps her beat off some street toughs how about that remember that fun phrase Look at these street toughs from... I thought you meant beat off. No, beat up. These street toughs from 1986. Help! 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 Come here, snot-nose! That's it. No more Mr. Nice Duck. Let the female creature go! Every duck's got his limit, and you, scum, have pushed me over the line. Jimmy, do you like to see what I see? A talking duck? Yeah, that's <laughs> it. I will say Howard has a very nice suit on. It's very 80s and tailored. Well, Duck World is just like Earth, but with walking, talking ducks. So, yeah, they have... So, the, it is Earth. It's like an Earth world, yes, so... They have like a New York, I think, even. I think they look great. Now, Beverly wants to help Howard get back to his home planet and enlist the help of her friend Phil, played by Tim Robbins, who's young at this point. <laughs> As opposed to now, where he's old and decrepit. Not old and he's decrepit, but he's just older. Exactly. He's a young he's Tim a young Robbins. Man. I should have phrased it that way. But he's a scientist. Spoiler, he's actually a janitor. But that doesn't stop Phil from trying to figure out who or what Howard exactly is. Now, there's a really fucking weird pre-sex scene between Howard and Beverly that, you know, I That's question. Leah Thompson. Oh, you, you want to hear a clip? Here you go. You think I might find happiness in the animal kingdom, Ducky? Like they say, Dal. Love's strange. We could always give it a try. Hmm. Okay. Let's go for it, Mr. Macho. What do you mean? Okay, it was a joke! <laughs> Listen, I'm pretty tired. It's just that you're so incredibly soft and cuddly. Bev, let's be... So I just want to describe Rob's face before I ask him to describe what he just saw. Rob's face, uh, his jaw was dropped the whole time in shock. Now, Rob, go ahead and describe. I will say, Leah Thompson... I. Forgot how much of like a crush I have on young Leah Thompson, but then this was one of those scenes that made me feel so weird. She is uh, in, in bed with a duck who is a horny duck. Uh, he puts the moves on her uh, and she decides to reciprocate and then he gets cold feet, cold webbed feet. And uh, when she touches him, the feathers on top of his head get erect and he apologizes. 
And for some reason, he backs out of having sex with Leah Thompson. I don't know why. But it quickly then ended by Phil, Tim Robbins, and two of his actual scientist colleagues. So that's why he backed out. No quacking for them. They've been working on a giant laser. And uh, that's actually what brought Howard to Earth from Duck World. Now, the main guy who's working on the laser, Dr. Jennings, played by Jeffrey Jones, who we know from The Principal in Ferris Bueller. And Beetlejuice, an, an incredible actor. Is He's passed? No, he's no. He's still with us. Oh, yeah, he's still with us. He gets possessed by an alien and then becomes the Dark Overlord, which is perfect for 1986 special effects. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. You can guess what happens. The film ends with Beverly singing a song about Howard the Duck. Yes, the implications are there that they had duck sex. So that's the movie. But there's a lot more behind the film. Howard the Duck is a Marvel Comics character created by writer Steve Gerber and artist Val Mayuric. He first appeared in Adventure into Fear number 19 in December 1973. Now, Howard was introduced as a cynical, cigar-smoking, anthropomorphic waterfowl, which is a scientific name for a duck. (laughs) He was a parody of funny animal cartoons like Donald or Daffy, no relation. He was only intended to be a throwaway character, but that all changed when he blew up, becoming one of Marvel's biggest characters of the 70s and a pop culture phenomenon that would later also get his own solo comic series. So Howard was actually a pretty big you know, star in the comic world. Let's get into George Lucas's involvement. George Lucas went to the USC film school with Willard Hyuk and Gloria Katz, among many other successful filmmakers like Francis Ford Coppola. Willard and Gloria got married in 1969 and continued to work professionally together. They'd work with Lucas after film school on various projects. Gloria wrote American Graffiti, among other things. They were both script doctors on the first Star Wars, and then in 1984, they both wrote the script for Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Doom. Which was my favorite growing up. After American Graffiti, Lucas told Hyuk and Katz about the comic book Howard the Duck, describing the series as being very funny, very funny, and praising its elements of film noir and absurdism. The film was optioned by Universal Studios after a partnership with Marvel Comics. Apparently, Universal President Sidney Scheinberg lobbied very hard for Howard the Duck because the studio had passed on previous projects which Lucas was involved, which had been very successful. Hyuk and Katz strongly felt like the film should be animated, but because Universal needed a film for its summer release, Lucas suggested the film could be produced in live action with special effects created by his company, Industrial Lights and Magic, Mm. ILM. Although several TV adaptations of Marvel characters had aired during the previous 21 years, this was actually the first attempt at a theatrical release since the Captain America serials in 1944. That's right. Howard the Duck is the official first Marvel movie. You're kidding me. No, the Captain America serials were only shorts shown before the film, so it was an official film. So Howard the Duck is the first full-length Marvel film. Now, Hyuk and Katz, I love saying their names, Hyuk and Katz, began to deliver ideas for the film. Early on in the production, it was decided that the personality of Howard would be changed from his personality in the comics, which, you know, why not? In the comics, Howard is rude and obnoxious, and to make the character nicer and more appealing to a mass audience for film, 
they wanted to change that. So film, he's going to be nicer and more appealing and not rude and obnoxious. So there's the first change. The script significantly altered the personality of the title character. It played the story straight instead of it actually being a satire, which Howard the Duck was. It removed the surrealist elements and added supernatural elements that could highlight special effects work by industrial light and magic. So they added elements into the film just to show off the new technology they were developing in like 1986. Look what we can do. Yeah, exactly. During screenwriting, more emphasis was placed on the special effects as opposed to uh, Howard's story and the satire of it. And uh, the overall tone is just completely different from the comics. There actually doesn't seem to have been an overall tone to the film. Yeah, so the casting of Beverly was going to be an important one. Since she was the singer of a band, producers first looked at actual singers. Cast Cher. Oh my God, I would love to Cindy Lauper. Imagine Cher and love scene with Madonna. With the duck. Oh. Well, actually, they went after Cindy. She was considered Cindy Lauper. But since Captain Lou Albino was not playing Howard, exactly. she wasn't going to do it. They looked at Belinda Carlisle of the Go-Go's. She was considered. And then another was a young Tori Amos, who had not yet broken out into the mainstream yet. How interesting. Finally, after auditioning multiple actresses, singers, and models for the role, Leah Thompson was cast because of her appearance in Back to the Future, which was a major hit. She purchased clothing from thrift stores because she wanted to appear at the audition as a cross between Madonna and Cindy Lauper. So, you know, uh, you could have been casting for this if you wanted to, Rob. I was a casting director in the 80s. I was the first person that said, you know who should play Sam Malone on Cheers? Howard the Duck. They said, no, no, no. He's taller than Shelley Long. During the shoot, Leah Thompson complained that the filmmakers chose to shoot Howard's close-ups before hers, which I thought was very funny that they chose to get the puppet's look just right before the actual starlet. IMDb trivia. Howard the Duck, at the same time he was shooting Howard the Duck, was also playing Hamlet in Central Park and had to be out for evening performances. That makes sense. She says that one of her regrets is not wearing a wig because the hairstyle that she had took two hours a day to prepare. So being an 80s gal was not as fun as being a today boy. (laughs) What the fuck does that even mean? I don't know. This movie's existential, so now I'm thinking existential. Although Tim Robbins had not appeared in many films, the filmmakers were confident that he was right for the part. And I will say this may... People say he's bad in it, but I think this might be one of my favorite Tim Robbins performances because he's playing a kooky character and he's just having a good time. I feel like he kind of went all serious actor on everyone. He's never been the same since The Player in 1992. After The Player, he became a serious actor and it culminated with Mystic River. You ever see Mystic River? One of the worst films ever made. What about Nothing But Trouble? That's a good one. (laughs) Now, of course, to play the physical role of the lead duck, Howard... Casting calls with little person actors were held, eventually casting a child actor and then also hiring Ed Gale, who'd been rejected because he was too tall for the role, but he needed to perform the stunts and portray the role during the evening shoots because it's a child actor. Kids gotta do homework. Yeah, we gotta have a backup. Now, of course, the child actor found that shooting conditions were too difficult to handle. Ugh, child actors and the film editors were unable to match day and evening sequences because the difference of the two portrayals because i'm sure that ed gale being an adult had a little bit more physicality than a child and i can only hope that the love scene was a night shoot (laughs) so gale was the understudy and you know the kid left eventually gale took over the role you know that's what happens in hollywood you just gotta be next one up next one up but i honestly couldn't imagine a child in a duck suit carrying 
a film, let alone this one. I don't know if it would have made it any better, but... Now, Willard Hyuk said that if Howard the Duck were a human, he'd be a mix of Woody Allen and Sylvester Stallone. Where do you find that person? Yeah, so that was the tone he was looking for. After the film was completed, they auditioned a number of actors, including John Cusack, Robin Williams, even Martin Short, for Howard, but they eventually cast Chip Zian because they felt his nasally voice worked well for the part. Chip Zian is a very famous Broadway actor. Yes. I love him in, in, in this show called Falsettos, and every time Howard the Duck opens his voice, all I think is his his role in that Wizard. I just keep hearing Wizard. No, no, no. He played Dr. Mendel, the psychiatrist. Mendel, yes. But, oh, yeah, but he always says Wizard. But also, if if you're a, for a Broadway fan, there was the Into the Woods musical that was on, P- remember they did it on PBS? Oh, it was yeah, that's right. Bernadette Peters was the Broadway production. He's the baker in that. He makes a great sourdough. Because Howard's voice was not cast until the film had begun editing, synchronization of the voice was very difficult, which I'm sure was just so easy for Chip to go in and just be like, Beverly. (laughs) The costume that was Howard the Duck was not only a bodysuit, but an animatronic that was controlled remotely. So the eyes were controlled remotely, the mouth, everything. So this person just had to walk around? Well, I mean, and emote with their arms. The arms, the arms. You have to be an extremely good physical comedian. Ed Gale experienced some negative consequences from playing Howard. His fingers had to be taped together to fit the three-fingered glove that was Howard's hand so I'm sure that was just awful being repeatedly contorted this way I guess caused his fingers to stay that way for months after filming had ended but I will say his wife was very happy during production of the film producers were scared that audiences wouldn't pay money to see a film whose lead was a person in a duck suit this is during production therefore the decision was made to hold back the appearance of Howard as long as possible. Here's the first teaser trailer, and tell me what you don't see in it. Everyone thinks of him as a hero now, but I share his feelings, and he's touched my soul. And right now, I would give anything to run my fingers through his feathers. George Lucas presents an electrifying new comedy, Howard the Duck. More adventure than humanly possible. Well, so it's Leah Thompson looking very attractive, right? Laying like it's a personal ad. And she's, that's all it is. That's all it is. It's the biggest teaser trailer I think I've ever seen before anything that was released in like 2000. I don't see a duck. No duck. There's just. It's just a feather. She blows a feather. The animatronic duck faces never worked as well as they should have. The film had a very short pre-production, which is crazy for a film like this. That limited time didn't leave a lot of wiggle room to get the technology right. So the technology was going to be the star of the film, but... That technology didn't really ever work. Some of the duck costumes even exploded or fell apart, and and some ducks were built with the wrong proportions for the characters so they didn't fit right. It just seemed like hell. As shooting began, the crew wasn't happy to discover that the inside of Howard's electronics-filled neck became visible when he opened his mouth. So the director, Willard Hyuk, kept trying to reshoot Howard's scenes, and throughout the movie, he struggled to coordinate his direction through the people on set, including 
including Ed Gale in the Howard suit and the puppeteers who controlled Howard's face remotely. So it started from the top. He couldn't communicate, and this it just started going down from there. Howard ended up being credited to eight actors in the end. Here's actually a clip of director Willard Yuck discussing how Howard was operated. It's uh, with one of our favorites here, Bobby Wygant. Well, Howard is a very complicated actor, and for him to actually perform, we need eight different people to be helping him in various capacities. And um, so it's a very collaborative effort to, to get Howard to walk and talk and speak and, and make love and whatever else he does, sing rock and roll. And so we decided to list everyone as having helped create Howard. Most actors have entourages. They have makeup people and, and uh, hair people and people to drive their Winnebago's. But Howard needed eight people, which was more than any of our other stars. Something I noticed is that a lot of the special effects were very reminiscent of Ghostbusters, which was released only two years prior. There were effects that looked almost identical to the streams from the Ghostbusters proton packs through it. I bet you Rick Moranis would have been a great Howard the Duck voice. Oh, probably, but he was probably too big at that time. Hey friends, hope you're enjoying the show. If you are, could you do us a favor? After you listen to today's episode, open up your podcast app and leave us a review, please. The more reviews we get, the more people will discover us, and the more people that discover us, the less lost we'll feel. You're good, buddy. It's okay. Uh, look, nothing has ever been easier to do. Just go ahead and grab a pen real quick. It's okay. We'll wait. Don't worry. Okay. Head on over to your podcast app, click those three dots in the lower right-hand corner, click Go to Show, scroll down till you see ratings and reviews, then leave us some stars and a comment or two so our parents know that it was worth all the tuition that they spent. And if you really love us, head on over to Patreon.com and send us some money, and in return, you will get access to merch, special episodes, bonus content, pictures of me shirtless okay okay that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com search this was a thing and help us out but you know what you've already helped us out today by listening to us and we can't tell you how much we appreciate that so thank you thank you now, Beverly's all-girl band, Cherry Bomb, plays a major part in the film. It also features a young Holly Robinson-Pete. What up, Holly Robinson-Pete? Who's Holly Robinson-Pete? Oh, she was on uh, 21 Jump Street back in the day, and she was on Hanging with Mr. Oh, Cooper. Oh, yes, Vanessa on Hanging with Mr. Cooper. Yep. The filmmakers wanted the music to be a major part of the film, so they enlisted British musician Thomas Dolby to write the songs. He had a top five hit in 1982 with She Blinded Me With Science. She Blinded Me Well, Thomas Dolby writes bops, and so don't worry, he was going to write one for this film, and it gets stuck in my head, I'm not going to lie. He coached Leah Thompson on her vocal performance. He made her and the actresses portraying the rest of the band learn how to play their assigned instruments, and he put them through choreography rehearsals. And, and Dolby actually did such a good job that they were almost going to replace Thompson's voice, but they got rid of that because she sounded good enough. And Cherry Bomb actually looked like a real band. Here's a clip from the main song of the film... Can you guess? It's called Howard the Duck. And as Rob says, it's a bop. Duck, duck, you are 
shooting of the film only went from November 85 to March 86. Four months for a effects-heavy movie. It's crazy to me. I mean, mind you, there was post, but still. Now, like I mentioned earlier, the marketing team had an issue on their hands, figuring out how to sell the film without being able to show Howard the duck. But luckily, being Hollywood big shots, they figured out a solution. By focusing on his attitude instead of his appearance, and with that decision, the duck calls. Phone line was born. Universal established a number 1-900-410-DUCK that fans could call to hear one of four pre-recorded messages from Howard himself. Greetings again, Earth friends, and thank you for calling me, Howard the Duck, star of Universal Pictures' new movie. You know, I thought it would be a good idea for you to get to know some of my film friends. For hairless apes, they're really a pretty good group. Let's start with that famous scientist, Phil Blumberg. Phil, say hello. Nice. Ducky, me, Phil, you, Howard, we be friends. Don't mind him. He's been spending too much time in the lab lately. Phil Z, do you think the movie's going to be a smash hit? Theoretically, yes. Unfortunately, it's never been tested. Yeah, I see. Uh, how would you describe it? Everybody. <laughs> I've just seen it. <laughs> Thank you, Phil. Once again, science takes another giant step forward. Let's talk to Phil's counterpart, Dr. Jen. I feel like that's something I would have called. That was fun. And it only cost one ninety nine a minute. Oh, totally worth it. Yeah. And I mean, that was 46 seconds we listened to that I showed you. So that would have been around the four. That's about $1.30 right there. Yeah. In the calls, he conducted conversations with other characters in the movie. He even performed a rap and engaged in an assortment of dumb duck puns. Because callers had to pay by the minute, they made sure to make the messages extra elongated. This wasn't the oddest way Universal tried to market the film. They also did a promotional tie-in with Budweiser, in which the King of Beers was named as Howard's Drink of Choice on a special movie poster. The movie poster only features Howard's hand holding a Budweiser and cigar. Still no quacking face seen by anyone. When the film was screened for Universal, screenwriter Gloria Katz said that the studio's executive left without commenting on the film. Screenings for the test audiences were met with mixed response. Howard the Duck hit theaters on August 1st, 1986, and the reviews were not good. Leonard Malton, a legend, he said... The decision to film the movie in live action was bad. He described the film as hopeless, a gargantuan production which produces a gargantuan headache. Ooh. People magazine seemed to agree. Lucasfilm promised us the mallard who fell to earth. The result turned out to be more like Xanaduck. Who'd have imagined that Howard T. Duck, the same web-footed wiseacre who conquered the incredible space turnip and the horrible hell cow, might be done in by something even more ridiculous? Hollywood? Gene Siskel of the Chicago Tribune gave the movie one star out of four and called it a stupid film and said the story has no center, the duck is not likable, and the special effects are less impressive than a sparkler on a birthday cake. On their television show, Siskel and Ebert, they complained that the movie was not enough of a comedy and that Howard should have been given either the Groucho Marx-like personality from his comic books or a fun Donald Duck-like persona. Here's a clip of them reviewing Howard the Duck from their Stinkers of 1986. I know you'll like this one, Robbie. After the movie was released, everybody said with the benefit of hindsight that it was insane to make a movie about a duck from outer space. But I don't know. I think it would have been possible for Howard to maybe have worked 
If only they'd started with a funny, likable duck in a comedy. Instead, they made a grim, worried duck in a special effects adventure, and then they filled the soundtrack with bittersweet and even downbeat music to be sure that we didn't get the feeling too good. What a miscalculation. Well, uh, the, film is the film is said to have cost $38 million to make, and that's about $91 million nowadays. It made $16 million in the U.S. and $21 million overseas, bringing a grand total of $37 million. So that is not a good good haul. No, so they lost a million. Well, they lost a million, and they say that whatever a projected budget is, that they double that for marketing alone. Okay. So, yeah, so, I mean, if it's $38 million, you know, it's going to be close to 80 so they've lost a lot of money. Yeah, marketing of a film. I mean, I don't think it probably is as big as it is nowadays, but nowadays they say that marketing, you want to double whatever a film's budget is for what the marketing cost is going to be. It was considered a major failure and a box office bomb. In July 86, a month before the film's release, Willard Yuck and Gloria Katz stated that the film's ending left it open so there could be a sequel, uh, which seemed like they were interested in making. However, after the film bombed in the box office, talks of a sequel came to a close close and following the film's box office failure hyuk and cats left for hawaii and refused to read the film reviews so smart thinking yeah so what's a bad film without some Razzie Award nominations? Am I right, Rob? The answer is yes. The Razzie Awards are handed out each year to recognize the worst in film over a 12-month period. Howard the Duck was nominated for multiple Razzies in 1986. It was up for seven awards, and it won four of them. Worst Screenplay, Worst Visual Effects, Worst New Star, Ed Gales, and others who briefly wore the suit, and Worst Picture. Leah Thompson said the movie Bombing was a major wake-up call for her. Back to the Future was a huge hit so this was all new territory for her she admits to being devastated by the film's box office failure saying it felt especially weird coming off of a huge movie like back to the future she'd go on to have a successful career but it just seemed bleak for her after howard willard yuck never directed another movie then of course uh, there was frank price who was the head of universal's motion picture division. Price was behind uh, many successful films at Universal, like The Breakfast Club and Fletch. But despite that, he was on thin ice with the president and CEO, Sid Sheinberg, who we talked about earlier. Price had already alienated uh, Universal's golden child, Steven Spielberg, a few years earlier by telling the filmmaker that E.T. would only appeal to children, which is not a good thing to say to Steven Spielberg, apparently. Then came Howard the duck following the film's terrible box office performance tensions between price and Steinberg came to a major head the two reportedly engaged in an all-out screaming match as they blamed each other for the film's failure in the end price shouldered the blame and was forced to resign his departure was immortalized by the trade publication variety with the now infamous headline duck cooks price's goose Oddly enough, Marvel decided to release a limited comic series based on the film, so they made a comic spinoff to a film that was a spinoff of a comic. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Now, from late 1986 through February 1987, Marvel released the three-issue series that was, as the cover proudly proclaimed, the official comics adaptation of the blockbuster new movie from Lucasfilm. It was released four months after the film, and I can imagine that they were not planning on the film being a bomb. And, uh, uh, that went into production way 
early. That was the story of Howard the Duck. It's complicated, and I'm sure I left some things out, but it just has so much to it. And the most interesting thing to me that it is if this film wasn't a failure, it may have not opened up an opportunity for one of the biggest current studios in Hollywood. Now, more on that after the break. This was a thing, this was a thing. And now... This is a sketch. George, Georgie Boy Lucas, it is a pleasure that you want to do business with us here at Universal Pictures. It's nice to finally feel wanted by the studio. Want? We need you, Georgie Boy. Now, tell me, what do you have in mind? Uh, Well, I'd like to adapt a comic book. A comic book? Great. I can imagine it now. Lots of action. It's going to be like a Star War, right? Well, actually, it's about a walking, talking duck named Howard. He's a sassy little guy. Walking, talking duck? Uh, and he's from space. He's from space. Amazing. We can get lots of cool planets and lasers. Yes, but I want this film to take place on Earth. Earth. All right. So so it's like it's like an Indiana Jones. Maybe it could be a period piece. Audiences love being transported back in time. Look at the success of Back to the Future. When are you setting it? Now. Now. Right. Uh, but I'm sure it's going to be set somewhere sexy, right? Paris, Tokyo, Bangkok. Cleveland. Set in Cleveland. I'll need a big budget. Okay, okay. Big budget. We can do that. Lots of money for lots of special effects. Hairspray. I need a big budget for hairspray. I want the hair to be big. How big? Real, real big. Well, George, I'll be honest with you. You had me nervous at first, but then you mentioned the real, real big hair, and I was back in. How does $30 million sound? Yeah, that should be fine. Uh, Great. All right. I will talk to you soon. Okay. Oh, one last thing. Mm -hmm. I won't be writing or directing this. All right. Good tidings. Fine by me. Universal Pictures is back as long as we can slap on the name George Lucas. All will be well. Oh, boy. Cindy. I'm going to need a real big box office smash now. See if my option is still available on Ishtar. Thank you. This was a sketch. So the thing I teased before the break is this. At the time Howard opened and bombed, George Lucas was having some money issues. He was dealing with a costly divorce, and on top of that, sales of Star Wars toys started to dip, and the construction of Skywalker Ranch had put him into some debt. So he had to take some drastic actions to stay afloat financially. He decided to sell the computer innovation division he'd recently established, and the buyer was some guy named Steve Jobs. Don't know him. CEO of a computer company named Apple. I don't know. He paid Lucas a reported $10 million. The newly independent company began seriously advancing the art of computer animation, eventually settling on the name Pixar. And, uh, yeah... Pixar is now uh, Pixar. Thank you, Howard, for falling on your sword. Now, Howard the Duck is mostly known now for being a box office bomb that it was, and it had to have put a major dent in George Lucas's ego to have a failure after all the huge successes. Like, this had to have been a major blow. Does he talk about it ever? He just moves on to the next one. I mean... It's like a shark. You gotta constantly keep moving. If he's not willing to talk a lot about the things he's done to the Star Wars films, I feel like he's not gonna be willing to talk about Howard the Duck very openly. George, if you're listening, give us a call. Yeah, George, we'd love to have you on our Patreon as a donor and an interviewee, if you're interested. Somehow we now owe George Lucas money. I think most viewings of this movie are now watched with the thought of what went wrong. But I think it deserves more than that. If you go into it knowing what you're about to watch, a tongue-in-cheek 1980s effects-heavy comedy, I think it would be enjoyable. 
if you don't go into it with a negative viewpoint, I, I think you will actually walk away enjoying this film. Mind you, it's not groundbreaking by any means, but it's still a fun watch. And Howard the Duck actually made it into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I know. And now he's actually voiced by Seth Green, who is, you know, a fanboy in his own regard. Guardians of the Galaxy director James Gunn actually called Seth Green to voice the role in a post credit scenes in Guardians, and then he ended up being in Guardians 2, and then Avengers Endgame, and he actually appeared with Black Panther in the Disney Plus animated series What If, and it was Chadwick Boseman's last performance, so it was Howard the Duck as part of, I mean, I know it wasn't planned, but... R.I.P. Chadwick. There is also talks for an adult-themed animated series on Hulu. There's not really anything in for sure, but, you know, it's been talked about. And Seth Green, he understands the character's appeal, and I feel like he's very happy with this because he's a nerd and he grew up watching Howard the Duck, so I feel like it's kind of an homage. Where's Chip Zine? Why don't they bring Chip Zine back? They didn't want to pay for a ticket. <laughs> he's East Coast. The man can record from his living room. Yeah, but it's a big file. <laughs> email. Leah Thompson actually attended a screening of the film a few years ago, so I think that she started embracing it. She said she felt inspired by the female director Patty Jenkins taking the helm of a movie like Wonder Woman. With that in mind, she was thinking of going to Marvel and asking them to let her direct a remake of Howard the Duck. Now, no word on if she was serious, but it's an interesting thought, and she's also directed some television in the past, so this is pretty meta. Uh, In 2016 edition of the Howard the Duck comic, Leah Thompson Thompson herself makes an appearance, furthering the meta vibe of the series. In it, she teams up with Howard to fight a noted X-Men villain. The actress gets to see a little action, busting some martial arts moves. It's all big, crazy adventure that plays with Howard's history on both the page and the screen. But it, it is, I thought that when I read that, I thought that was kind of funny that, you know... They embrace the oddness of the film that it is. If Lucasfilm and Marvel were to collaborate today, nerds would lose their shit, and not in a good way. And now that Disney actually owns both companies, I don't think that they would need Lucasfilm to produce a Marvel movie, although ILM, which is a subsidiary of Lucasfilm that I talked about, helps with current Marvel projects. Comic book movies now are so computer-generated today that I don't think that... They could ever make a big budget film with an actor in a Howard costume again. They just have special effects that look too good. I think maybe if they made some kind of a short film or something, but just I don't think it would work. I mean, it didn't work in 86, but I don't think it would work nowadays either. But I will say, let's celebrate this film, dang it. Let's take it out of the trash can that the film industry has put it in and enjoy it for what it is. A fun movie that, yes, has its downfall, but also transports you straight into 1986. It may not be the best time to revisit, but there sure was big hair. I'm just thinking, though, like, it cost $40 million to make, right? Yeah. For Howard the Duck, that's a pretty big bill. You want to play a game? I would love to play a game, right? This was a thing, and now it's a quiz. This is a This Was a Quiz. Mark Schroeder. Welcome back to Game Time, Rob and Ray. How are you doing? Are you ready to test your mental metal? We are I more than so. ready. Jeez. I don't have, I have imitation metal. I don't have actual real metal, if that's okay. Okay, no imitation metal is fine. But it still beeps. 
when you go through <laughs> a thing. I still have problems at Burbank Airport, yeah. not going to lie. Well, we're talking about Howard the Duck today, and you have enlightened us and given us a lot of great insights into the debacle that was Howard the Duck. <laughs> oh, yes. But Howard's not the only duck out there. There's a lot of ducks. I think we all know there were a lot of ducks in pop culture and in life. So I'm going to hit you with some duck trivia. We're going to see how much oh, you guys know okay. about your ducks. So get your ducks in a row. <laughs> if, if, if <laughs> That's a, literally a duck having a stroke. All 10 questions are to do an impression of a duck, and I, I think you failed all of them. If there's a wrong answer, would that be a foul? Ooh, yeah, that's, well, it is now. It is now. So you guys are going to work together for this. Oh, okay. okay. So put your brains, like put your yeah. brains together, and we're going to see those 10 questions. See if you can get like a passing grade in school. So that's like six out of 10. If you can get that, I think it's okay. a 60%, right? We just yeah, want you 60, to pass this course. So here we go. I'm ready. 10 questions about ducks. Let's see what you guys got. This okay. one's multiple choice. What is the average lifespan of a duck? A, one to five years. B, five to 10 years. C, 10 to 15 years. D, 30 years. I was, I don't know why. I was thinking 17 for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, so I would say C then. C, 10 to 15 years. Well, because then it goes to, jumps to 30 then, right? It does jump to 30 for D. I would say 10 to 15 yeah, years. Thinking. The answer is B, 5 to 10 years. Oh, really? No, 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 no. When I was in college, I had a roommate that was a duck, and he was 17 years old. I remember that specifically. Well, I think that was a thing that you guys were into. I don't think he was an actual duck. I think that was a cosplay thing that you two were into. On your uh, own. I don't know, man. I don't know. The worst thing about ducks is when you go to dinner with them, they uh, stick you on the bill. Ah, okay. One point for Ray. Zero, I, uh, point, zero points for Rob. I had a duck doctor once. He was a real quack. Okay, we'll get no, there. Seriously, we'll get there. I, was, I was having a coronary, and, and he just said it was an ingrown toenail. He was honestly a real quack. It, it, it gave me some troubles. How much did he charge you? Um, what was the bill? <laughs> Damn it. That was ah, it. That was it. Oh, fuck. Okay, better. sorry. Go ahead. Okay, question number two. From 1942 to 1945, Walt Disney released six short films depicting Donald Duck's life in what branch of the U.S. Armed Forces? Oh, the Navy. He'd be a duck, right? Yeah, I think so, yeah. The Navy. Incorrect. The Army. What? Uh, He's the a fucking Army. duck. <laughs> he won't know what to do. <laughs> well, I don't think a duck would know what to do in the Navy either. <laughs> Putting him on land ain't gonna help. No, they put Daisy in the Navy. Yeah, Daisy belongs more in the Navy. My favorite one is Donald Duck goes to Yalta, where he mm. negotiated mm. the peace treaty between <laughs> Roosevelt, <laughs> yeah. Stalin, and Churchill. We don't know how much Donald did for the U.S. <laughs> the original USO. Okay, which of these species of duck is in the Guinness Book of World Records? For longest avian reproductive organ. A, the wood duck. B, black-bellied whistling duck. C, Argentine bluebill. The Argentine bluebill has some BD energy, big duck energy, dude. That is correct. The yeah. Argentine bluebill. Oh my God, we got a point. Big duck energy, I'm telling you. Wow. BDE. The longest avian reproductive organ, and it's a corkscrew. Oh yeah, I know a lot about uh, duck penis. It's just for research of Howard the Duck. <laughs> I did a lot of research on this one. Tell that to your parole officer. <laughs> Question four. In the Nintendo game Duck Hunt, what was the name of the specialty weapon that you used to blast animated ducks on your CRT television? You mean the gun? The gun had a name? The gun had a name. God, I had The it. quacker. I don't know. The pistola. Mm, the NES zapper. Zapper. Oh. oh for I zapping didn't... ducks. Abraham Lincoln famously did not duck 
and was assassinated by John Wilkes Booth at Ford's Theater while attending a production of this play. Our American Cousin. Hello, two points. I was just looking this up the other day. So you guys are two. You got two in, half questions. I think you got a, okay, one, two, three. We got five questions left. You have room for one more error in order to get a passing oh, shit, grade. shit, that's pressure. Okay. okay. Okay, speaking of ducking, this blonde bombshell died on June 29th, 1967, when her Buick slammed into the back of a tractor trailer. Rumors at the time indicated that she had been decapitated. It's Jane Mansfield. It is Jane Mansfield. It is Jane Mansfield. Wait, what did that have to do? Oh, because she didn't duck. She didn't duck. Oh, I Jesus. got it. Yeah. Okay, this is a true or false question. Here you go. You got a 50-50 shot here. The term quack as it relates to an untrustworthy or suspicious doctor, refers to a duck's habit of kicking its legs underwater frantically while its visible body remains calm. That doesn't seem right to me. I just don't like that one. I don't think so. I, I'm going to say f false? Yeah, I'd say You're false. Say false? It is false. Oh, correct. It good. is false. That is not true. It's actually from a Dutch word. Speaking of bills, what image will you find on the back of a $2 bill? The front is Thomas Jefferson. It's an etching of the Continental Congress. Yeah, it's it's our, it's them signing the Declaration, so. right? That is correct. Yes. Signing of the Declaration of Boom. Independence. Two more questions, two more questions. Gilbert Gottfried famously lost his VO gig as the voice of the Aflac Duck after making Twitter jokes about the Tonoku earthquake and tsunami in what year? I want to say 2007. I was going to say 08. Oh, shit. Consensus? Consensus? I trust you. I thought for I don't know why. I thought 2007, 2008 is probably right. We'll go 2008. I'll take the loss. 2011. Oh, oh we're both wrong. Final really? question. You must get it right. Oh, shit. To really? To earn a passing grade. In Disney's The Mighty Ducks franchise, what is the name of the team's Jewish goaltender? Goldberg. Yes, with no really? is question. That right? Immediately. Congratulations, you two. Hey, you got 60%. Boom. You passed the duck yes. quiz. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark. All right, friends. Make sure to tweet us, Instagram us, Facebook us. Let us know your thoughts on Howard the Duck and uh, if you've ever seen it. Or if you remember going to the movies when it was actually debuted, let us know what you think. Or do you have a pet duck? If you had a pet duck, what would you name it? Carol. <laughs> Why? Probably after Carol Channing. That's she, it seems like I would talk to the duck like Carol Channing. So. Hello. Hey, you want some feet? Come here. Oh, come here. I have never felt more uncomfortable in my entire life. Well, if you were a duck, you'd like it. <laughs> All right, friends. Till next time. This is where you say bye, Ray. Bye, Ray. Oh, bye. Thanks for listening to This Was a Thing, and a big thanks to the folks that keep this show running. Our editor, Daniel Cut-Cut Schwartzberg, our composer, Billy Better Than DC Reese, our social media director, Gabe Hashtag Crawford, our graphic designer, Natalie's Nothing Too Graphic DeSavia, and finally, our games coordinator, Mark the Shark Schroeder. If you liked what we did today, make sure to head on over to iTunes to rate and review us. The more stars you leave us, the more love we feel. Hey, speaking of love, show us some social media love. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at This Was A Thing Pod and Facebook we are This Was A Thing Podcast. Reach out, we'd love to hear from you. And if you really liked what we did today, head on over to Patreon.com and become one of our sponsors and you'll get access to special episodes, interviews, and merch. That's Patreon. Search This Was A Thing and support us so we can keep doing this show. 